we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Go. Ah, oh, shit. Get the energy up and go. Who is on the field for the Newcastle Knights? Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tights a little hole himself. He's crazy. Right. Reaches out. That's a tight to Andrew John. Free streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is. Debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Waramai in Awabakal Land, you're listening to the Bay 53 podcast. We are still part of the Sports Best Friends Podcasting Network. It appears that unfortunately Bretto is still on the uh, long-term injury list. So what I've done is we are determined to push through every single brutal loss that we possibly can with some deconstruction and some uh, footy talk straight to your ears. So fresh, and I do mean fresh off the back of yet another demoralising loss at home, this time to the Bulldogs. I have dragged in a very good friend of the pod, Joe Frost, to help me contemplate and understand just why the Newcastle Knights. Joe, thanks for joining me, mate. I'd say it's a pleasure, but we both know that's not true. It's uh, it's getting harder. It's uh, it's just you know. So because I, I had Ma- we had Maggie on uh, for last week's episode, and he said, "Look, I, man, uh, no, I, I gave it a listen, and um, that's uh, what an intimidating act to follow." Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, you very generously offered an invitation to myself and my brother, and my brother was like, what, after Nagy? No. <laughs> so he, he made the right call, and I can, uh, yeah, um, just be that, that, that guy that comes on after Bradman. Well, you can you can imagine how I felt, uh, sort of being the, the no, you can you're the uh, you're the Luke Walsh after uh, Andrew Johns. So um, <laughs> you can imagine how I felt last week, you know, doing the pod with Nagy. I was like, well, he's used to hosting these things. Should I? I felt should I give him the microphone? Should he be asking me the question? Yeah, yeah. Do you just Sean Rudder this bad boy and enjoy the ride? Um, <laughs> uh, or you know, Luke Walsh over here still playing in the real NRL because I don't know what else he's gonna do. <laughs> um. Joe, thank thank you so much for um, for helping me helping me out. Just um, come to terms with this, as you did point out. I've, I've still I've only just taken me members pass off um, walking through the door, having got me back from McDonald Jones Stadium. You um you were one of the fortunate ones that uh, wasn't able to go today. Um, but yeah, uh, thank God for COVID. Hey, like every <laughs> every now and then a global pandemic swings in and just saves you from having to go and watch the nights in person. So far, far preferable. Um, I am wearing a little bit of club merch. Um, I I I put on my um, my nights tracky dacks that I wore when we went down to the Sydney cricket ground for round one. Um, oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, these are lucky tracky dacks because you can beat the roosters in them. And like, I don't know about you, but like the clothes I wear have luck and bad luck associated with them. Yep. And there are some items of clothing that I can wear and that I can't wear 
because it's like, oh no, there's bad juju on this jersey because I wore it to this one game where we lost. Anyway, I don't have any lucky clothes anymore. I've tried every combination. <laughs> there's, there's nothing left. All my clothes are bad luck. So, you know, you like to think it's like, oh, there's that little part that I play in it. It's like, well, the juju of my clothes. And that's why we suck this year is it's the juju of my clothes. Um, so I apologize <laughs> to all fans and to the team and to Adam O'Brien. It's my fault. And um, yep, now these pants are officially unlucky too. Look, on, on behalf of all Newcastle Knights fans, Joe, I do accept your apology. Um, mate, b- before we do get to the um, the Knights and uh, today's uh, abysmal effort, uh, I do actually like you've got you've actually got a bit more of a sort of background, at least from a from a modern day media perspective when it comes to to the Knights and a little bit of sports coverage. Um, tell uh, tell our listeners, you know, how, I'm always curious how you got to be um, involved in the Knights, how you sort of decided that they were the team that you were going to set your weekend's mood to. Um, yeah. Why the Newcastle Knights for Joe Frost? Oh, can you still hear me? I can't hear you. <laughs> is that is that working now? Ah, oh, he's back. He's back. I've got he's back. Don't yes. we'll, we'll edit that. I might edit that out. Um, no, no, dead air. That's always good stuff in an audio format, which uh, I, uh, yeah, I learned um, in my first media gig uh, producing radio at the ABC. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, I, no, I, I started supporting the Knights. If memory serves as a kid, there was a, um, a thing in my family. We supported the Tigers. I remember my cousin being like, yeah, we support the Tigers, but that was because, um, my mom is first cousins with Warren Ryan. And, uh, so the walk had the Tigers at that stage. So there was a bit of a thing that it's like, yeah, we support Warren's team. Um, but that was like, must've been early eighties or not early eighties. Cause I was born 85. I wasn't alive then. Um, but sort of, you know, going towards the 88 season and then I, like it fell off a cliff. And I remember, um, Warren Ryan going to coach the Western suburbs magpies and it being pretty easy not to follow him to that particular club. Um, and by that stage, I was old enough to understand that I lived in Newcastle and we had a team called the Knights and I was like, that is genius marketing. Um, so I was all in based on the fact that the Knights play for the castle team. Um, and then I think I was about 10 and I started playing rugby league with my mates for South Newcastle Lions. Um, and I think, you know, once you start to play it, if you can say you understand it, I still don't understand the game. But you start to get a bit of a grasp of it and you start to want to watch it and have a bit more of an inclination to be involved. So I remember that 95 season really well because I started playing footy and that was the year the Knights went on a bit of a tear. They had a really good season. I think they came third overall um, wearing the uh, the first season of the Stockland jersey with, uh, with Mal Riley as the coach. So that was an easy season to be on board with. And then obviously 97 and 2001, um, you know, you, you fall in love you and and it's maybe not the best comparison to make but when guys have a lot of success and win premierships when they're young and they talk about how they think oh this is easy we'll just win another couple of those and by the time I'm done my career I'll have won a bunch of premierships and it turns out it's not that easy well 
I felt that way as a supporter. I was like, yeah, we won two premierships in like four years. Like we'll, yeah. we'll just keep winning them. Like, you know, you don't win them every year, but like we'll probably win them most years because that's just how it seems to go. Mm. And obviously it has now been 21 years since. Um, but like they've made such a massive impression on your young life and on your young heart that you're like, this is the greatest rugby league club ever. I ha- like, how, how could I ever go for anyone else? And funny enough, I still feel that way. And I don't know why. And I used to work um, with a, a former night, uh, former Knights player who uh, he grew up in Queensland. And he also no no no. Come on, Joe. If if you can't name drop about a former Knights player that you used to work with, then what are we doing with life? We need to know yeah. who it was. Uh, so I used to work with Leo Dinova. Um, oh, the great man! <laughs> yes. Um, and I mean, it was it was very brief. Um, and I I couldn't say enough nice things about Leo Dinova, who is just um, a beautiful human being, lovely, yeah. lovely fellow to work with, and and a true gentleman. Um, but he supports the Broncos. And I was like, what? Oh, the audacity. But oh, what, what do you mean that. you support the Broncos? And it was kind of like, well, because I'm from that area and they were the first club that I played for and most of my life has been – but like it just made no sense to me. I was like, but you played for the Knights. You have the option to go for the Knights. Why would you go for any other club ever? And – like the lack of logic that I am showing by saying that is mind boggling because why would you go for the Knights if you had the option to go for any other club? And he's, and he's like, Oh yeah, I go for that club that is, you know, banging on the door of the top four at the moment and has won a premiership more recently and has won seven in their history. And I'm like, you, you're an idiot, mate. You get to go for the Knights. You've got an out. You can just go for the Knights. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Uh, and it's it, like it, the logic of it still just, why, like that's that's how warped my head is, and I think the Knights just do that to us. No, I, I, can I just uh, – because I completely agree with you. I, I think you've actually it, – it's 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 sports logic. Like it's just sports logic that makes sense because, you know, for everything where you talk about where, um, you know, it's the age-old thing, why is this decision you made as an eight-year-old about the team that you wanted to give your attention to still bothering you decades – like you are an adult – you're an, an emotionally sort of like you're an adult that can make your own emotional decisions and yet you still tie yourself to this team other than the fact that you made this irrational choice um, as a child. And it, it's always funny to me when people are like, um, you know, ah, oh, but, you know, players get paid so much and they should be just putting in every week and they should be good. And I'm like, but we just give money to something that causes us pain. There's no logic involved in sport in terms of why we make the decisions that we do. I And, like, I'm in the process of indoctrinating my daughter into going for the Knights. Um, and we're, we're, it's generational um, torture, torment. We're handing it down to the next generation. Like, I wonder if docs are going to, like, knock on my door and be like... <laughs> You're not fit to be a parent if this is what you're going to do to this poor girl. Um, and, and like, it's not even like, like, okay, today she watched the footy with me and it was like, oh, watching the footy with dad. She's got a jumper, a Knights jumper that she wears. She's one. It's too young to do this to her. And yet I already have, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it is the footy logic. It's a cruel thing. 
Joe, um, you're, uh, we sort of crossed paths. The first time you and I ever crossed paths was actually through the joust when yes. uh, you were doing uh, one of the, the, the short-lived Vox Pops that the joust, um, that the joust would do after the games. And I actually think that's, that's something we should try, try and bring back, the, the Bay 53 Vox Pops. Um, but anyway, um, and I remember you and I sort of uh, having a chat, and I was really keen to, like, anytime someone wants to ask me about uh, footy, just stick a camera in my face, I'll start talking. Um, but um, but because uh, you and I had sort of, I think we'd interacted a little bit, or we'd sort of come across each other through the Roar. So you've been doing a lot of writing for the Roar over the years. Um, tell us a little bit about that, mate, how you sort of got involved, how's, how it's going these days. Um are you still enjoying it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I started writing for them. It'll be 10 years now that I've been uh, penning stuff for them. Is it that long? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, um, yeah, I've, uh, I've sent in my application for long service leave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you that will uh, not be approved. Um, I, yeah. So I, I think, you know, same as anyone else who's uh, familiar with the raw. If you're not, it's um, you know, it's a place where any punter can um, can write their sporting opinion and submit it and um, and have it up on a website that attracts you know thousands of uh, of views a day, which is you know it's 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 pretty um, a reasonable platform to to get your opinions and your point of view out there on sporting matters. And I remember writing one for them in what must have been 2011, 2012. And I was just like, I wonder how long between me hitting send it's going to be until they write back and say, we want to pay you lots of money. Um, like, you know, will it be 10 minutes or less? Um, anyway, it was more than 10 minutes. Um, it was, yes, quite a number of years. Um, I came on as I'd been submitting pieces for a little while when I was brought on as a sub-editor, which is a role that I still feel to this day and has um, made me angry and embittered about the way that the English language is absolutely butchered by the likes of Fox Sports. Um, <laughs> say what you will about Buzz Rothfield, the man knows how to construct a sentence, all right? Yeah. He knows where apostrophes and commas go. James Hooper, no clue. That guy <laughs> has never accurately used an apostrophe he does not know what possession is and he needs to stop using the term young gun because he has never like not used it in one of his pieces about a person under the age of 30 anyway no um, no, no i just because I, I want to back you up there and sort of say what you will about the raw and, and the raw does get a little bit of a a sort of bad rap from time to time. Like you certainly do see opinions on there that I just fundamentally disagree with, or there's sort of a, but you know, for people who sort of like to bag the raw in terms of being, you know, Fox NRL exists. It, it's still better than a lot of the stuff that the uh, the actual official broadcaster is pumping out on a daily basis. And what I actually do enjoy about the Roar is that it, it gives a really, like it's a wide variety of opinions in one place. Yeah. Where you can go and have a look as opposed to one agenda-driven agenda sort of source of, well, you know, we want to do this for our mate Shane Flanagan today. So, you know, staff writers pump this out. It's actually a, an interesting place to go if you want to use it properly to say, well, there are a vast array of opinions here and I might it gives you a chance to think yeah 100 percent and you get to hear from people that like I don't I don't think that ex-footy players all have the same agenda but they have a very common experience oh yeah and therefore their opinions are similar 
if only because people who have a similar experience end up having a similar opinion. Like that's just how it goes. If your <laughs> life is the same as someone else's, you tend to sort of go, huh, yeah, we agree about things. And that's, that's not an indictment on people. That's just how you form your opinions. So yeah. when a bunch of footy players get together, you know, they, when they spout these like common lines and, you know, there's, there's the one about how like, Oh, I was never the biggest or the strongest. I was never the most talented bloke. And it's like, no, no, you weren't the most talented bloke in a group of 30 elite athletes. Yeah. You were the most talented bloke in 90% of situations, 99% of situations. You definitely were. Like, you don't understand what talent is compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, so, correct. you know, they, they have these sort of perceptions about what they are and, and do and don't you know, say about the game is based on their own experience. And again, that's, that's, that's just how the world works. That's fine. Whereas you get something like the raw and you have a guy like Tim Gore, um, who does a bit of work for the ABC still, um, but he's a stats man. So he comes at it with a completely different point of view uh, to someone who's been an elite athlete. You know, he comes yeah. at it with a very statistical and analytical mind, but he's also a hugely passionate man and he loves his rugby league and he loves his Raiders. And, you know, Tim is a great, great guy to get a completely different perspective. Um, you know, the, the likes of Mary Constantopoulos, you know, gets on there and, and obviously a lawyer, you know, Parramatta fan, who's a woman is probably going to have a different perspective than, and I'm not saying this is, you know, to, to crap on anyone in particular, but like James Graham or, you know, someone who is not a female lawyer from Parramatta. Mm. Um, so it is, it's good to get a range of, of ideas and perspectives. And I think that's the the real benefit that it brings. And, you know, and they've also got, you know, a hint, you know what, I don't need to sell the raw. They don't pay me enough for that. It's good. Go. Ready to go. <laughs> I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Joe, I, I sort of, I know you're on a, you're on um, a limited time as it is. So, um, I mean... Have we delayed it long enough? Do we want to get to today's game, or is this is there anything else that we can uh, we can chat about before we uh, jump back into that uh, nightmare while the water's still warm? Yeah, how long can we hide from the inevitable? Um, I'm sure we'll find ways to detour whilst we're uh, you know find reasons to be uh, to to divert from the waters. Um, but I guess yeah, we need to we need to do it eventually. Okay. <laughs> Full time out of McDonald Jones Stadium, the Canterbury Bulldogs have prevailed over the Newcastle Knights, twenty four points to ten. Um, I, I think the highlight from this game is really going to be the player released by the Knights to start the season, Jacob Kiras, returning to haunt his uh, former team, scoring a hat trick uh, on his on his former hunting ground. Uh, I, I'm. I'm at a point now where I've run out of words to use to I'm um, to talk about this Newcastle Knights team. It is just there was such a, a Thanos feel about today's result in its inevitability. It really um, I, I can't I, I just I can't remember of being so uninspired to go and support uh, the Newcastle Knights as I was today. 
it was it was tough just just from the moment i woke up this morning and i was sort of counting down the hours in terms of trying to think of how much i could fit in before i had to unfortunately get in the car and go to the game and then from kickoff i really was just counting down the minutes until i could leave that's 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 how uninspiring this team is uh, for me at the moment and i think it was probably a good thing because i'm so down on them at the moment that you know a few months even a few weeks ago one of our former players coming black coming back and feeding us the way Kira's did today would have it just would have brutalized me but i just i just genuinely didn't care today this uh, i think i think the knights have finally broken me uh he was good for more points than our entire team correct yeah <laughs> without conversions like like a, a player that we punted could have just single-handedly played against us today. Scored his, it scored all of his uh, points unconverted, and we still would have lost. Like that's how that is how terribly uh, this Newcastle Knights team is going at the moment. Mate, I, w- I want to put something to you. I'm going to put the hard word on straight up. Uh, this playing group has given up on the coaching staff slash administration slash front of whoever it is. Uh, this, this this playing group is sending a message. I, I I firmly believe that the way they're playing at the moment is to send a message to the people who matter saying, we don't like what's going on, uh, we're not playing to our potential. And there's a couple of things that have come out of Adam O'Brien's presser um, that I think uh, back up that theory. Um, it's it's hard to disagree with that. Um, they... they th- they're just so our first, so our first, our first three, our first three sets today. This is our first three sets, right? Yeah, yeah. An ineffectual kick from um, Jake Clifford, where the bull, the Bulldogs were on their forty meter line for the first tackle. So, so that was the first set. It was a miracle that we completed a set, but albeit that was that was the first set from the kickoff. And sorry, I just need to jump in here. Jake Clifford has got the biggest boot. Like, it's not Matt Burton big. Right. But so, coming into this season, it was like, oh, you know what? Like, if he can just hone this talent with the boot, geez, he's going to have this weapon. And instead today, we watched, like, I, I don't remember how many drops or just non-attempts there were at Matt Burton kicks. Um, or there was one where he just, like, they were in trouble and he just kicked it 70 metres on the full. Like, it is insane how good his boot is. Good for him. Well done. Doggies, you've you've got yourselves an absolute champion there. We have Jake Clifford, whose boot is, I don't know, in the conversation for top five biggest when he's um, when he's performing, and he's just dabbing at it. Like, what are you doing, mate? You can you can reef that. It should have been down near their try line, based on the kind of distance you can get on a kick, and it just just fell to them, essentially in our half. Oh. Uh- that is just that is one of the most perfect uh, perfect explanations I possibly could have given as to a why I think that they're just uh, actively not doing playing to the, their potential, but also b it's been a massive bugbear of mine over the past few weeks just listening to everybody talk about this Matt Burton boot, and I'm like, Brett Brett and I were at Magic Round last year when we were we saw Jake Clifford with our own eyes for the first time playing for the Cowboys and we were like this guy has the biggest boot we've ever seen. Like he was getting the kind of airtime that not even Joey sometimes used to get consistently. Like we were just so excited about what his kicking game was going to bring to to the Knights. You know, obviously at the end of last year, but certainly this year, um, I, I just I could not agree with you more. So so that was the first set. 
Now, I think the second set was uh, we ran an obstruction. So Tex Hoy ran around the back of Milford. Now, look, that you could run the – you certainly absolutely could run the line that that's just an unfortunate call that goes against the Knights. You know, at least they were trying – but there were like there was a 360 degree range of any other area on the park that Tex Hoy could have run, and he actively decided to pinpoint Milford and utilise him as an obstruction. So to give away a penalty, that's our second set. So off our very off our very next set, we haven't even um, done enough from a, a simple kick return to be able to do any more play the balls. And then off the third set, Dane Gagai decides that all of a sudden he's going to pretend like he's 21 years old again and try to run around the outside of the um, uh, Bulldogs' defensive line in our half and gets dragged out into touch. And these are all actions, activities to me. That's the, And that's the first three sets. So we haven't done anything yet. We've, met, we've barely managed to complete our first one. So we're, we're completed one from three to open the game. And the two that we haven't completed are just off the back of stuff that if it's not done on purpose, I feel bad for how incompetent they must be. Because you, you need to be... You need to be of a level of just sheer stupidity to be doing things that dumb. And I'm sorry, these players are not that stupid. They are actually very – they have shown to us that they are very intelligent, highly capable people. And after those three three sets, I was like, they are doing this on purpose. That was the I'll only logical explanation. Say, I'd, I'd take the uh, the extra source there. Very intelligent, highly uh, – maybe just regular level. And, <laughs> you know, their competence is just – we can just say they're competent, not highly. Um, but, um, look, that's me nitpicking. Um yeah, they're, they're, they're not as bad as the choices they make. Correct. No, correct. So the next thing you know, um, the Bulldogs are 10-0 up after 10 minutes. It's game over. Mate, that was exactly the text that I sent. I, I flicked one out to a mate, and it wasn't because I was like, oh, like they're going to run over the top of us or whatever. I was like, we don't have the ability to score 11 points. We could, like That's yeah. why this game's over at the eight-minute mark. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's beyond us then. We, we, we can't score 11 points. That's, that is too many points for us to manage in the remaining 72 minutes of this game. And that proved to be the case. We could manage 10 and just never looked like threatening after our second try. Um, Dom Young went over off what was a pretty clear oh, forward it, pass. It was, <laughs> oh, look, it was flat. It was a flat pass. It was definitely... There was a lot of flatness about that pass. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, look, you you, you got to take the rub of the green, and that was one that we got. That's okay. Um, what got me was Bulldog supporters complaining about hometown referee decisions, and I'm like, look at the scoreboard. Hometown referee decisions are all we have. Don't take those away from us as well. Let us have something this afternoon. You're clearly going to win. Don't complain about us having something in our favour. There was also this weird... I need to... Look, maybe I've got this wrong and someone will be able to, you know, um, yell at their uh, speakers as I say this. But didn't the ref call knock on when Jake Avarillo was, like, diving on the ball on his try line and Anthony Milford came through and, like, like knocked him and the ref called knock on and they challenged it 
Yeah, so and then, and then it was like, oh no, the challenge is unsuccessful, and then they got the ball back. Like so, so I was sort of hoping that you might be able to inform me on that because that was that was exactly our reaction at the ground. So we we just assumed they'd get the penalty, and as soon as we heard, because you could hear Casey Badger at the ground, as soon as you heard Casey Badger say, "There's contact with the head that's into its uh, low impact and doesn't cause the knock on," we then just assumed, well, the challenge is incorrect. Now, the original call was a knock-on. If the challenge is incorrect and they haven't found anything new, why is that not... The, so did they... Did the, the video bunker... So did the bunker rule that there was no knock-on, that they didn't see a knock-on? Is that the... Well, the, the audio... Like, they didn't give anything more away. They just... She, you could hear Casey Badger saying um, the challenge is unsuccessful. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then the ref was like, okay, it's it's your ball. I called a knock on, and the your challenge was unsuccessful. So, so you get the ball back. Like, I mean, look, it it, it had absolutely no bearing on the outcome of the game. We, we weren't going to score anyway because that's not what we do. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was yeah. Like, doggies fans, don't worry. Like you you got your share. You got your share of calls. Don't I think I think it worked out okay for you lot. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the statistics, I'm looking at the stats for the game. Brody Jones, that one really stands (laughs) We'll get to to Brody, we'll get to Brody. Because funnily enough, Brody is the outlier. And this is why I'm actually looking at the stats and I'm like, no, surely the NRL has got this wrong. And this, though, to me, informs why I think the players are uh, dogging it, why I think they've packed it in. If I gun to your head, which team do you think had the more running metres today? Oh, I mean, you've got to go with the dogs, right? So the Knights outran the dogs today by 37 metres total for the game. And it's not like both teams just put in 1,300 foot... We ran for 1,949 metres today. That's, yeah. I can't remember the last time. Like, that is, I can't remember the last time we've outrun another team in such a comprehensive loss. And so this is why it just, because it's not the ineptitude in defence to me that says that we're not trying. It's the fact that we keep putting ourselves in positions to score points and we're playing like a team that just doesn't want to. Like, you look at the way we spread the ball wide. Like, there were so many – in that second half, there were so many plays that that were coming um, down our left edge, um, like right in front of Bay 53, and you were just like, they're not going to land this final pass. And so many of those final passes just would not land on the mark because I was like – because they don't want to score because they don't want to win. They are trying to send a message here. Inari Tuala ran for two hundred and seventeen meters today. I, I just want I just want you to let that register for a second. Inari Tuala, who is average at best for the Newcastle Knights, outran everybody on the park to the to the tune of two hundred and seventeen run meters. I, I, I've got a. I've got to check this again because I'm not convinced I've got this right. No, I saw that too, and it was really odd because uh, I don't want to say it was really odd, but like, do, do you need any more evidence that Inari Tuala is not a centre? He, I think. So he didn't play centre today. I, I'm pretty no. sure he was out on a wing. 
Yeah. So um, it was. So I think it was like Edric's been. Edric dropped out of the of the seventeen, and Simi came in. Yeah. Um, but Simi went to the centers, and Anari went out to a wing. Yeah. And Bretto was saying a few weeks ago about how it's like, look, I, I can't judge Anari for having bad games when he's playing out of position. Yep. And like he was so much more confident and competent today. He had such a better game just playing off the wing. And like, like in weird ways that I I'm like, uh, how does this change anything for you when he is running, like making meters out of our red zone and he's playing center, he gets picked up and driven back. Like, like he, he runs negative meters mm. when he does the same thing. <laughs> When he does the same thing, but he's a winger, suddenly he's he's like, you know, he's holding his own at the very least. He's not getting driven back. I'm like, what difference does this make when you make the 20 tap or when you're the guy that just makes the charge, you know, is going for the uh, the, the yardage, you know, in the, the, the hardest place to make meters. When you're center, you get hammered. When you're mm. a winger, it works for you. So, like, I, I don't know what happens in his head or if maybe maybe it's a, you know, a depth of understanding I'm not showing but it's just like no, the guy, the guy is definitely, definitely a, a winger. There's other people that are worth giving a go at center over him next time mm. we have a shortage of outside backs because he's like a, a good winger. I think he's quite good at wing. These are these, these numbers and these statistics are just they're blowing my mind, mate. Texoy 196 run meters. Simi Sasaki 194 run meters. Gagai, Gagai, cooked over the hill. Done Gagai, 187 metres. Inari 2L, 207. But Dom Young, Dom, Dom Young. Young had the fewest of all the outside backs. He's letting them down. 157. Yeah. Drop him. <laughs> Any other day, Dom runs 157 me- run metres. He's probably got 50 on the next best. And yet, at 157, Dom was the worst of our back five today. Fuck. Even Jay Clifford was putting in today, 75 metres. Now, you look at our forward pack. David Clemmer, his usual, 181. But Dan Sofidi, 143. Tyson Fazell, 132. Mitchell Barnett, defensive workhorse with zero in attack, 138 metres. 138. 130. Am I looking... Am I looking at the missed tackles column? No, no, this is ARM. ARM stands for actual run meters, I'm pretty sure. Do you this know the problem a... with Barney's run meters? He made 120 of them just charging at the line and none of them resulted with him going over. So he, he kept getting in the position where it was like, no, 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 Barney, not for you, not for you, pal. Come on. <laughs> I'm just I'm just still blown away by some of the like, look at these post-contact meters. Simi Sasagi, 80 post-contact. Dan Gagai, 80. Inari Tuala, 64. Fucking hell. Clemmer, 84. So we were charging up the field today. We were creating yardage. But the problem is, is that in defence, we were letting the Bulldogs get up the end. And as we've shown continually, we've got no defensive resolve in our own 20. Yeah, you, I swear teams just automatically assume they've got points on the board once they get that first tackle within our 20 metres. They're like, right, well, we can take it easy now. We'll have the ball yeah. in the try zone shortly. We'll get our four points. Just Let's just don't hurt yourself, boys. Just take it easy. Now, two questions. When when they're in our red zone, how are they going to score? When we're in their red zone, how are we going to fuck it up? 
<laughs> well, they usually just get ready. See, they, they thought that the ship had sailed when Mitchell Pierce left. They're getting ready for their um, uh, seven tackle set from a 20 metre restart. But these days, we just drop the fucking ball. And so they've got to play the ball on their 10 metre line. It's happy days. Mate, um, we'll, we'll get to the. And look, we like to think of ourselves as a fairly player supportive, positive podcast, this episode notwithstanding. You did mention him before. There is one outlier, unfortunately, in all of these meters run. I mean, the bench was a bit average, but um, I mean, Croaks and Solo, they didn't really get many min- minutes. Jacob Saifidi, okay, 74 meters run, but for only 35 minutes. Mate, what uh, what happened to Brody Jones? Twenty five minute meters, one run, one hit up, eleven meters run. The whole game. That was his contribution. That is what a starting thirteen in the NRL this weekend contributed towards his team's um, performance. Was was single run for eleven meters. Oh, like, <laughs> is he scared? Like. <laughs> I remember being like a very young kid and I can't emphasize how terrible I am at football. Um, And there would be teams where I'd be like, what? I don't want the ball. Those guys are monsters. They're just going to hurt me. I I came to muck around with my friends. I didn't come here to get hurt by monsters. And, um, and short of that being what was going on with him. And I don't believe that to be the case because he's, you know, a grown man and a professional rugby league player. Like (laughs) why else would you be like, no, I'm just not going to do that. I, just, I think I've I think I've told this story before, where I played one season and one season only of rugby league in uh, grade six over in Papua New Guinea, and I was playing against um, Papua New Guineans who I swear had started shaving, and uh, <laughs> I was in the front row, and I can tell you we did not get much go for, go forward. We got very little <laughs> go forward. But I, I remember once. And I'm a front rower, mind you. And I was, I was like, I think fourth man in from the the wing. And we had a four on one overlap. And they did not pass us the ball. <laughs> and we did not score. I'm like, Jace, Jace, one of my mates, Jace, he was the second round. I said, Jace, why didn't you pass us the ball? He says, because you would have lost it or you would have gotten belted. There's no point sending it out there. And I was like, that's a fair call. Um, I think when it comes to Brody, though, it it's just so disappointing. Like. And Joe, uh, Joe, Jody, Brody in a lot of ways is emblematic of this team this year in terms of how disappointing it's been because we saw so many positives to come out of last year to go, this is the year. Like, this is the year. The, the, the potential is there. We've seen the potential. They're going to have a solid preseason under their belts to give them the opportunity now to deliver on the promise that we've seen for so long. And they went backwards. And no player symbolises that more than Brody with what we saw. From, like, there were times there where you like, why is he getting dropped? You know, get Brody in there and then he'd get a run. You're like, yes, he's going to be, he's going to go on next. And he has been just invisible this year. Like, so disappointingly invisible. Yeah. As you say, I think there were, there's been quite a few weeks where he hasn't been selected. Um, and, yeah, I was like, well, what's going on? Why isn't Brody Jones getting a go? And mm. it's become evident because he's, he doesn't have the form to back it up, which, as you say, is really frustrating and really um, upsetting given that, like, he, he really had – I wouldn't say it was a breakout year last year, but he had the kind of year that you thought, all right, this establishes you 
And next year, we're going to see what your ceiling is. Like, how good can you really get? And he's just gone backwards at a rate of knots. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Well, we talk a bit about Jacob Kiris. I mean, it's easy to sort of throw stones at the Knights in terms of after the game, like, oh, will you let another one go? I always say, look, okay, you tell me the wingers, at the, and, and we're talking the beginning of the year, obviously not now, but you tell me the wingers at the beginning of the year that you were going to punt so that we could put Jacob Kiris in our top 30. And then when you do p- tell me which player you're going to get rid of in place of Jacob Kiris, you tell me, hand on heart, if you think Jacob Kiris is doing today for the Knights what he did for the Bulldogs. Uh, which is more or less what Adam O'Brien said in the press conference, right? He yeah. sort of said, you know, we, we have, you know, Eddie, Anari, Dom, who had a really solid preseason, uh, Heimel, like he was a long way down the pecking order. Mm. Um, and, and, and then he also said, you know, did I think he was going to be this good this year? If I'm honest, no. And that's it, isn't it? Like uh, who would have picked him to have the season that he's had and good on the kid. Like, um, you know, I have nothing but, ill will towards him because he left the Knights and fuck (laughs) (laughs) someone had to say it (laughs) no um no no uh, you know he's he's and from what I understand he's a Canterbury local that, that you know that this is his local club and that he'd come to the Knights for what was a fairly short stint and now he's gone home as it were um so there's that element of understanding to it as well. Um, but uh, there's a real issue that the Knights have got in terms of who we keep and who we let go. And there's uh, like, you know, there was that thing for a while there where you'd go, look at the players that North Queensland have let go and, you know, name the 17 that the West Tigers would have if they mm. kept the talent that they wanted. That's where my mind's been going. Yeah, like have a go of that with the Knights, um, you know, and this this idea of like our catchment area, the amount of young footy players that are in it should be comparable to that of Penrith. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe a little bit smaller, but it's it's not like we're the Roosters or the Storm and we're struggling for young juniors. We've got this massive catchment area um, and we've got so much talent coming through it. And if you go through our top 30 and you go, okay, who's, who's a local junior? There are a bunch of guys who... Apart from the Safidi brothers, I can't really name even just consistent first graders. Agreed. And no, I agree with this. And I don't know whether the issue, or the way I see it, there's one of two problems. Let's get the third one out of the way, I suppose. We should maybe address the third potential issue, which is just how much nepotism is there at the Knights? Um when you go Tex Hoy, Jack Johns, uh, and Lachlan Fitzgibbon, and they have very strong um, familial ties to the club, but 
I just don't think that that's the issue at all. Um, I, I, think- I don't think that is an issue, but I think this ties it. So, I sorry, you tell me what you think the three issues are. So that's definitely the first one. I, I uh, just bring it up because I think it's one that people will bring up to be like, oh, well, what about? And it's like, no, 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 no. This is how footy clubs work, all right? Mm. Like, Zach Fulton just debuted for Manly. Billy mm. Walters is playing for his dad. Um, you know, there's some guy at Penrith whose dad is the coach. I don't remember either. Um, it it happens, all right? So I don't think that we're it rhymes, any better. It rhymes with dreary. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right? It's something along those lines. Who, I couldn't think of anything funnier than dreary. You put me on the spot. Um, well, you know, given the way we're feeling, it reminds me of no, – you know what? Gonna go with weary, but I just wasn't sharp enough. Because um, <laughs> this is how why I got your feel... three pod, mate. I didn't want you to show me up. <laughs> ah. Um. So let's 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 say that that's not the thing because that's just not like it's you know it's it's well, it's a cop out. Yeah. It's such an easy superficial thing to sort of say. It's like oh, we only pick people who we you know it's a boys' club sort of thing. But every club does it. So yeah. that can't be the reason why, you know, maybe we don't do it as well as other teams, but certainly we, you know, you can't be simply saying, oh, well, that's the reason the Knights are, are not doing well is because they, you know, they pick it, they pick play players in-house. You're like, well, like I said, that that is a rugby league thing. That is not a Newcastle Knights thing. Yeah. So the other two potential that I see is we're picking the wrong guys and that's a distinct possibility that we just go through and go, you know, who's really good. Tex Hoy. He's really, <laughs> really good at footy. And Tex Hoy is, uh, I feel bad bringing Tex Hoy up, but he is, he's the one that potentially ticks all three boxes, right? Number one, did, did Tex Hoy get a run? Cause his dad's Matt Hoy and he's best mates with Joey. And there's all those connections and whatever else. Maybe we're just like insistent because they saw something there that nobody else saw. And it turns out whatever it was that they saw was wrong. Okay. Maybe Tex Hoy just doesn't have the talent and the drive and the ability to be a consistent first grader, let alone the kind of first grader that the club clearly saw him becoming um, when they signed him as a 14 year old, the youngest ever signing to go to the Newcastle Knights um, you know, to, to be, to be signed to the club. And I, I would need to check if it's still the case, but certainly last year on his club profile, the very first sentence about Tex Hoy read Tex Hoy is a special talent full stop. Like yeah. this, this is the kid. He is going to be unbelievable. And mm. at his best, at his absolute best, you go, yep, he is a serviceable first grader. And at his worst, it's like, man, this, this kid, he struggled to crack it in the real NRL. And there's a big gap between his best and his worst. And I hope that he can narrow that gap when he's over in England and that he comes back and he's a success and all the nice things that we want for Tex Hoy. But so the second one, is it is it is it nepotism? Number two, is it that we're just bad at identifying talent? Or number three, and this is the one that I suspect maybe it is most that the numbers suggest it is, is that we're really bad at developing talent that we can identify the guys who are going to be good 
and then they dominate 16s through until 19s. And then when they have to make the transition into first grade, they plateau or they go backwards. And that is the one that I think has been the biggest issue because it, it keeps happening. There, there are too many players that are in the system that haven't kicked on that either, as I say, plateau or go backwards, that it's like, it's not that it's not that we just keep being bad at seeing who's good at footy. Maybe they're still good at footy. We're just bad at turning them into consistent first grade players. And honestly, like, mm. as I said, other than the Safidis, I'm thinking like Sione Mataudia is the last one that I went. Yeah. He was good as a kid and now he's a good first grader and we got rid of him too. Um, but they're, they're the three potentials. So we dismiss the one, then the two are, are we bad at identifying talent or are we bad at developing it? I don't know if the, because I, I agree. I actually do agree. I don't, look, I, don't, I think the nepotism aspect is overrated. I do think that we are bad at identifying a talent and I do think that we are bad at developing talent. I don't think there's a fourth element or it might not be an element, but it might be the fourth thing that ties all these three things together is that people describe, and and I'm, I'm actually going to refer to a specific conversation that was had after today's game to sort of, this is what's um, inspired this thought. People describe Newcastle and the Hunter area as a, a rugby league catchment. But it's a mistake to think of it as this homogenous area of one big rugby league sort of um vibe the hunter is actually it's actually a very large piecemeal of these small pockets of sort of identity that actually don't all necessarily 100 get along and the thing about the newcastle knights is that the newcastle knights haven't endeared themselves to the larger area of um, uh, rugby league, sort of uh, real rugby, the Newcastle Rugby League, as it were. So you throw in as well West's group, who sort of, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're adversaries of a lot of the other uh, Newcastle Rugby League sort of clubs. And the Newcastle Knights tend to suffer a little bit for that. Because a lot of the junior development that you would otherwise think would be funneled into the Newcastle Knights, well, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, in a lot of ways, in a lot of what you're finding is that a lot of these players are being kept away from the Newcastle Knights for whatever reason. And I think that sort of ties into those first three things that you have described there. Because first of all, the nepotism thing is like, well, the Newcastle Knights are out to look out after themselves, which is fine. That talent identification thing. Well, we don't know who they are or aren't identifying because we don't know the players that they are or aren't allowed to sort of look at or the players that they do want to have. You know, are they are they sort of trying to get their own players or are they interested in other players but they can't get access to them? And so by the time you're sort of getting to developing juniors, well, you're developing what you're developing. But history has shown, and this is one of the things that O'Brien was brought in to change, was that he wanted to change the, uh, the, the culture within the Newcastle Knights of winning comps at every level. He wanted to change that into a culture of every level producing first graders to win the NRL comp. 
So I, I don't know if that sort of agrees with or disagrees with what you're saying, but I certainly think that this this multiple identities that, that, that make up the Hunter region in terms of rugby league has a higher complexity in terms of how it impacts the Newcastle Knights than people sort of um, appreciate. Yeah, 100%. And, um, and the, don't you ever get tired of... It's, it is a much more a Sydney media thing, but like it's something that was ingrained early on in the in the days of the uh, the Knights as it's like blue collar working town, coal miners' sons who are just out there doing their <laughs> bit for their community. And I'm like, mate, that is not representative of me at all. Yeah, like, no, it's not. And, and I am and I am not in this tiny minority of people who it's like, yep, yeah, it was really weird growing up in Merriweather with um, a, a GP for a father when everyone else was um, <laughs> was a coal miner's son. Like, Coming back home I, in I, soot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, that, and, that was an and amazing, like, that was an amazing Joe Nabel impression you did as well, by the way. But I, but I think that it sort of, <laughs> it sort of taps a little bit into what um, Nagy and I were talking about in the last episode, which is that, um, and to a certain extent, I think you've touched on it. Yeah, it is the case outside of Newcastle as well as inside of Newcastle. We're all sort of sitting around waiting for that set of circumstances from 20 to 30 years ago to re-emerge so that we can enjoy the halcyon days again. But but you're right. Like, Newcastle is a different place now. Like, you look at our, you look at our team, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, we sort of built that premiership off all of these juniors who who rose through the ranks together. And certainly that's something that Ben Darwin, you know, we're big fans of Ben Darwin here at the, at the pod. And he sort of said, well, that was the main reason you won that premiership. And maybe we do need to go back. I have a Darwin question for you, but I'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah, okay, do remember that. And all I was going to say was, well, maybe we do need to look to replicate that. But it's not going to be off the back of this hardworking, um, you know, coal miners, uh, BHP town where, you know, we're all in each other's pockets. It's going to have to be a different... So if We shouldn't be looking to redo um, the set of circumstances that brought about the 2001 Premiership. We should be learning from the Panthers with their 2021 Premiership. And I firmly believe that's one of the reasons that Hayden Knowles was was brought in. Now, whether or not he's able to replicate that, um, but you're right. The the town of Newcastle and the team of Newcastle, it's just so different now. Like, it's just such, it's such a completely different place to when we were winning premierships with Joey. And yeah, you're right. I do think people sometimes uh, overlook that. I We've got um, a, not a, yeah, we do. We've got a complex as a town of, um, being just a little bit like, you know, we're us, we're not you, we're very insular, that's how we do things, but why don't you love us? Um, you know, we, we want people to love Newcastle, mm. but we don't necessarily want to go out and endear ourselves to them. Oh, 100%. Um, 100%. <laughs> Newcastle fans in a lot of ways, and I, look, I do think it's a minority, but unfortunately I think they are a very vocal min- minority. There is a vocal minority of fans that love to hate Newcastle. They get a yeah. lot of, they get, they get, they just get such um, credence out of, because it's easy to make fun of Newcastle. You, you know why, why it's easy to wait, make fun of Newcastle? This is why it's easy. To, uh, unlike you know, there there are reasons it's easy to make fun of West Tigers. It's easy to make fun of the Titans or you know, the Warriors. There, it's not because we're all just shit. There are different reasons. And it's easy to make fun of Newcastle because we wear our hearts on our sleeve. 
You, you don't. You, yeah. you never have to pretend what Knights fans are thinking. You never have to. You never have to guess. We will tell you, and we will tell you vociferously. And when there are facts that are presented to us to tell us as to why our feelings are wrong, we'll still tell you where you're wrong, and we'll continue on our merry way. Newcastle is 100% transparent in terms of what is going through our head, and it makes us easy fucking targets every step of the way. But any fan base who's just sitting there, and, and I know this because Newcastle in a lot of ways is the type of person that I am. Like there's, there's my other half never has to worry about what's going on in my brain. She can see it written all over my face. And it's exactly the same thing with Newcastle Knights fans. And we do that to, you know, our passion that our team feeds off, we do it to our our detriment because that is the the, um, avenue by which a lot of other teams manage to get one over us. Um, Do you ever remember when... Marathon Stadium was a fortress? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, we need to make it a fortress again. And I'm like, I'm going to pull you up on this again business. When, <laughs> when was that? Because all I remember is turning up a lot and seeing the team lose a fair bit. Like, certainly since Joey retired, yeah. I remember watching him win a fair bit back then. Yeah. Uh, but ever since then, it's like, I've, I, we all know that they're Andrew John's born in Queensland and this club is zero premierships. Um, and oh, do you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't really bear thinking about because no, no, no. the whole thing is complete. Well, the whole thing's completely different if there is no Andrew John's because he has set this tone that when, because we were a club of what, eight, six years. What? He came into first grade 94. Yes. And for the next 10, 12 years, we had this generational talent, this, you know, once once in a lifetime talent pulling the strings. And we were such a fledgling club that things were sort of then, then it became like, okay, so what are we? And it was like, um, we're these hardworking coal miners. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, we're Andrew Johns' team. And, and so like, I don't know, you don't really need to be that good. You just have to be in your lane and catch the ball when Joey throws it. Just make sure you don't bugger up the genius that the genius is, is doing. And um, suddenly 2007 rolls around and it's been 20 years. And for two thirds of that time, there's been a genius running the show. And then when he leaves, it's like, wait, what are we? If there's no genius here, then what are we supposed to do? And you, it's sort of like, well, then, yeah, exactly. Who are we? And you go, well, we're with, the, with these coal miners that work really hard. Remember, that's what we were in 1988. It's like, now that was 20 years ago. We ain't that. Like by then, Newcastle had changed a lot. There's a whole generation of different people who have come through who don't understand whatever this thing was that maybe made sense in 1988, but has no relevance to me. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily indicative, but I was the same age as young players who would have been coming through the system at that time. And so to have this thing where it's like, there's no genius pulling the strings, but also, so be a coal miner again. It's like, but... I'm not those things. So what do I do? And the club didn't know what it was supposed to be doing with itself. And I feel like we've lost a generational. There's, I often think, should we have won more premierships while Joey was playing? And the answer is yes, if he had been healthy, but he wasn't. So it shook out the way that it did. 
The real question that I'm starting to ask now is how many more premierships should we have won in the aftermath of it because of the amount of people, of rugby league fans around the country who had no connection to Newcastle or the Hunter whatsoever, but who said to themselves, I go for that team because that freak plays for them and I want to play for them, right? Mm. And, you know, we saw one today, Josh Jackson wanted to play for the Knights. Nothing to do with Newcastle or the Hunter, but we apparently didn't have a place for him. Same with Dale Finucane. Another, another guy who loved the Knights, but we didn't find a place for him. There were so many talents that we could have, should have had first pick at, but we missed them. And now my mate's kid who's coming through and he's just this weapon at every sport ever. It's like, do you want to play rugby league? Then you could play for the Knights. And he's like, I don't want to play rugby league because of the Knights. Never mind if he doesn't want to play for the Knights. Ah. He doesn't want to play the game. Like, that's where we're at. We lost a generation because of how bad it was. And now there's nothing left. If you're not from Newcastle and don't have that sense of obligation, why the hell would you want to play for this team? Um, I've often likened the Knights in a couple of ways to the Chicago Bulls. The Knights yeah. and the Chicago Bulls, only success to date was off a once-in-a-hundred-year player that they took for granted and they never fully um, utilised. Um, the Bulls, I mean, two, three-peats, so you could arguably say that they did in his in Jordan's career. Um, in fact, no, they categorically did. But certainly when those two players left, the franchises didn't know what they just they just didn't know what to do when they left. The and they both made the same mistake. Both franchises made the same mistake of thinking that if we bring in a new coach to restructure the place, we can be successful. So they had Brian Smith. I can't remember who the coach was for this for the Bulls after um, Phil Jackson, and they've been they've both been irrelevant ever since. And it, I absolutely agree with you. It is a it is an absolute failure to capitalise on this, um, you know, once in a lifetime, once in a hundred year, once ever player that you're like our club has never. We've got and the thing is the Knights have got Kalen Ponga, and I'm still convinced we're not going to get the best out of him because I saw what happened with Joey. Joey was better than Kalen, and we just scraped into two premierships. And I'm not convinced that this club has the fabric, um, has the culture, has the sort of the, that mentality to be able to get the success out of these players. And you want to know something? That's based mainly on what I've seen this year. Because we were told yeah. this is the year, the, the one win season, the three spoons in a row, you, you know, the 11th places, the scraping into finals. No, this is it. 2022 is the year you've finally been waiting for. And not only did we go backwards, we are in danger of going back to square one. And yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, you, you mentioned it before Adam O'Brien's um, press conference. I've got to be honest with you, mate. It, it's the first time this year, and I've, I've made a fool of myself sort of um, going into bat for, for Adam O'Brien. I, I, I've given up on this team. I haven't yet given up on O'Brien. But gosh, she said some things in the press conference today that were just, woo, they, were, they were red flags, just red flags all over the place. And the biggest one today was, 
I've been involved in four grand finals. I know what it takes to win. Uh, That's that was just I had alarm bells going everywhere when he was sort of saying that. And then and then he went into I haven't forgotten how to win. I've got news for you, Adam. You've never known how to win in Newcastle. No one, you were brought in off the back of your reputation, but that's fine. Reputation will only get you so far. You were being judged on what you've done at Newcastle. We gave you a pass for two seventh places, albeit under extraordinarily bad circumstances. You know, rookie coach, first two years entirely in a pandemic. So hats off to him. But now where everything was falling into place for you to deliver, you've gone and you've gone backwards. And you're telling us in a press conference that, well, remember, I was involved in grand finals. So I know what I'm doing. Oh, that that was that was really concerning stuff. That was deeply concerning stuff because I'm like, Paul momorowski has been involved in, in good teams that won grand finals. That doesn't mean he knows how to win them. It means Paul yeah. Momorowski knows how to be around teams that win grand finals. And I've got to be honest with you, Adam, to date, your time in Newcastle, you're running the risk of indicating to a lot of people that you too know how to ride on coattails to win grand finals, but you don't know how to wear the jacket. Um, so, all right. So this brings me back to my Ben Darwin question. Um, now, um, Ben was sort of saying that Sacking the coach is just totally the wrong thing to do. It sets you back to square one. There's, it was like 18 months to two years of rebuild from a new coach and mm. all this sort of stuff that, that you know, was great um, logical, statistical analysis of why sacking the coach is the wrong thing to do. At what point do you have to look at your coach and say, but it's Nathan Brown? So, because um, Breno and I, so of everything that happened from the Ben Darwin episode, there were two things that came out of that that we got the biggest feedback on. We The, the biggest feedback that we got back from that was um, so many people saying, I, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've always been looking at the game wrong, or at, at least they've been saying, you know, I'd never realised there were so many symptoms that I thought were the problem. I wasn't ever really looking at what the real problem is and how to fix it. And they were like, yeah, you, you're right. It makes sense. Just, you know, haphazardly dropping players and trying new things to hope for something better. Yeah, that makes sense now when you think about it because you, you're, you're continuously moving people. No one knows what's going on. So that was the biggest feedback we got out of that. But absolutely, the, the very close second, the second biggest feedback we got from that was people going, the only bit I didn't buy was that getting rid of the coach was always wrong. Because I'm pretty sure, and I'll, I'll go back and have a listen, but I'm pretty sure Ben said, he said 90% of coach sackings are the wrong move. And the biggest feedback we got from most Knights fan was you can't tell us that sacking Nathan Brown was the wrong move. And the other thing, the other feedback we got was, uh, and, and I'll, I'll put his name to this, at Harvey G, good friend of the pod. He was spot on. He was like, yeah, but there is that 10% of the time where it is the wrong coach. And, yeah. you, you, you know, how long do you wait for things to unravel when you know you've got the wrong coach, but you're like, well, no, sacking the coach won't so- won't solve the problem. Um, th- so those those were the two big. Those were the two, that was the big. And yeah, that was the biggest question we got. We didn't really get a chance to ask Ben about it because 
it, it is something that I'd love to get him back on. And um, Ben, if you're listening, um, you know, slide into my DMs. But it, it makes it because it makes sense in terms of, and particularly today, because I think I, I think today, if there was ever an indication that Adam O'Brien's not going to make it through to next year, it was today. What do you do when players just say, we will not play for this person anymore? And we're going and to show that to you. And it's looking increasingly like that, doesn't it? You know, the, the three, oh, very much um, so. three games in a row of 40 points put on us. And then the Bulldogs who, and like, they're having this resurgence. Um, you know, they're, they're going to finish the season strongly, um, but they're still the Bulldogs. They're not a very good footy team. Mm. And if you go through on paper, our 17 today against their 17 today, other than the Fox and Matt Burton, I don't know that you would necessarily say that any of their players are on reputation upon past achievements, better players than the night that they're lining up against. Yeah, mm. we went in as the outsiders with the bookies and both you and I were prepared. To, it was just like, well, we're going to lose. Like, we're not going to beat the Bulldogs. Like, if you how didn't would that expect, even be possible? If you didn't expect today's result, you haven't been paying attention. It, it's it's yes. just as simple as that. If you thought today was going to be anything other than the way the game pan, panned out, you, you haven't been watching rugby league or... Um, you haven't seen, you haven't watched rugby league since, ooh, I'd say a solid ooh, 2005. Um, there was an inevitability about today's result. That just, that just, you said it. It just made the game boring. Like it was, yeah. it was so predictable to watch every single play. And I, like, I'm. Usually, I've always I've been the eternal optimist ever since I left the Melbourne Storm game ten minutes early, where we had that miracle win with the Kirk Gidley. I was like, you know, we did it. The Knights are the type of team where lightning actually could strike twice. So I've been an optimist ever since that game. And today was the first game where I was like, no, I know I can comfortably leave early today because I've got I know exactly what's going to happen. And what happened is exactly what did happen. Um, there was something else that uh, O'Brien sort of said in his presser that I do want to get to as well. He said, we trained well this week. And he said, and he sort of segued a bit. I think he might've realized that he was starting to sound like he was covering his ass a bit with the grand final thing, because he did sort of start to talk. He says, you know, we trained so well. And I know we don't forget those things from the training paddock to when we get to the playing field. And again, that is why I felt, I thought, well, that says to me that the players don't want to do this. For, they don't want to perform for you because they're training well during the week to say, pick me, coach, pick me, coach. And then they're getting to the weekend going, well, now that you've picked me, coach, I'm going to show you. And it just it, it, it just feels like there's this, this toxic relationship at the moment between the players and whoever in the club and what pisses me off the most about it what just infuriates me so much so much about what happened today is that the players if they've given up on the coach and they've made an active decision today to be like we're going to play like this and we think we deserve it you are spitting in the face Every single fan who showed up today, you are spitting in the face of every single uh, Knights member who gives you our money 
to and some of us some can't even make it to games. We are paying money into this club into something that we care about, and you care so little about us that you think it's better. Well, we get we got a tough time during the week, so we're going to take it out on the on on, on game day. And you embarrass you embarrass us to the point where Lachlan Fitzgibbon is being interviewed before the game to give this big spiel about we're so glad to see everybody here today. You know the guys are switched on, they want to perform for the fans, and you do that to us. You are embarrassing us. Forget forget about embarrassing yourself. You clearly don't care about yourselves, but these fans that you have used as a narrative tool this season to pretend like you have emotion, you are treating us like garbage. And forget me, I, I don't give I honestly don't give a shit. I, I, today I just went, couldn't care less anymore. You win, you don't win. I got better things to do all my time. But there are so many people who have vested their interest and their identity in this team and those players are ste- like they're just stepping all over it, and, and I just think to myself, you know, I was I was defending the players. So the players, fucking Molly was going like, oh, they were out celebrating, you know, for after a loss the other night, and I was like, look, they're allowed to do that in their spare time, and they are. What they want to do with their spare time, what they want to do with their free time, they are their own people. You do what yeah, you. That know. was weeks so- Hey, those yeah. players went for a beer on Friday night after losing. It's like, yeah, well, it's Friday night and they don't have to be back at training until the next week. Like, this is one of those rare opportunities where they can go out on a Friday night, which is a fun night to go out on, and they're young guys with money, and maybe they want to have a few beers and, um, you know, meet a, meet a person. <laughs> Correct. But for Toby you- Rudolph encounters. <laughs> God bless you, Toby. But you do that in your spare time. Don't do that on my time. Don't do that on Yeah. <laughs> this is my time yeah. that I'm giving to you. Do not disrespect that. Show me the respect that I deserve by showing up as I would show you the respect for, for applauding you for putting in a good performance. It works both ways. You know, and I'll finish on this note. I've sort of taken over. People tend to forget that a really good sports club at any level, whether it's your elite tier, professional sort of high end, or whether it's your grassroots, you know, social amateur uh, club, they need three things to survive. Nate, three things to, uh, to, to flourish. Administration, players, fans. And, and and that's at any level. So you, you even think like I was I was club president of a of a local soccer club. It was one of the highlights of my um my sort of sporting life because I, I I put so much value in it. But I used to see how hard people would work off the field to ensure that um uh, twenty two blokes and six subs could play two games of soccer every weekend, first grade and reserve. So there was the administrative side. The players' element speaks for themselves. Okay, you know, they go out in the field, they, you know, they play the game, you know, you, you get the results so that you can hopefully celebrate a win or celebrate winning a grand final. But even at that level, the fan, we, social clubs have fans. They have fans and they come along and they, they buy your, your snack shop, uh, sorry, your, your, your canteen food. You know, they buy your, your paraphernalia. They, they drive players to and from games. 
every single club at every level needs all three all three of those to be strong to survive. So that is why it pissed me off the most today is I'm like, do not take us for granted, Newcastle Knights. Do not treat us as if we are important. We can have a tendency to overestimate our importance to the, to the uh, course. I absolutely get that. But we are still important. And for you to spend all of these years going, you show up no matter what, and we really appreciate that, your actions are starting to indicate that you don't. And it's getting very thin. Newcastle are the premiers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's a thing that has been discussed uh, by yourselves uh, here on Bay 53 as well, is it's like, do we do more harm than good um, by consistently turning up every week? There were 20,000 people there today. I know. Um, you know, and... And that's for an inevitable <laughs> an inevitability that, all right, look, you know, not everyone felt that it was, but like, again, as you say, then you weren't paying attention. People still turn up, right? They want to watch the Knights play footy. Um, and I think one of the, the great, uh, I don't know how to put it, but like the Roosters, right? If they're not winning, no one's there. Absolutely no one is there. Mm. Um, and so they, they can't afford for that to happen. Um, that That's not an option for them. And it's not an option for Melbourne either, right? There are mm. a couple of clubs where it's like, there's better stuff to do. Hey, like if, if you guys are going to turn in these kinds of performances, we're not coming. And you saw that a few years ago when the Roosters, uh, it was the year that um, PSE was out for an extended period of time because he had that dalliance with... Um, with a canine at the start of the season and the roosters <laughs> um and the roosters ended up coming no second last because we, we we came last we came. but um did but we come last was, was, was that 2013 i don't think we came last that year i'm pretty sure piercing the dog was 2016 let me get back to you <laughs> right no because um, sorry 2013 you're absolutely right 2013 they won a premiership i'm don't i'm all the spoons start to blend into one after a while sorry yeah and no and this was it right so they'd, they'd won a premiership and then i think they won the next two uh minor premierships in a row and then they had this year that apparently um trent robinson had uh had foretold to nick politis like hey we're gonna have a bad year because like we, we need to sort out our salary cap. We've got to bottom out and then next year we'll be good to go again. Mm. And they had that year, right? And they had the worst attendance in the league. So it's not like they'd spent three, four, five years sucking, sucking, sucking. And this was the nadir of what was like an extended yeah. period of time being terrible. They had one bad year and no one came. They cannot afford to have extended periods of being terrible mm. because no one will come. And eventually, if no one's there, your club's going to be in trouble that starts to call, you know, like long-term existence in into question. The Knights do not have that issue. And it is perhaps to our detriment that we always show up and like... <laughs> And they love to have this like sort of Damocles hanging over us. And they brought it up in a, in a, a number of times, the club or whoever, where they're like, you know, we went broke. And when we went broke, they were going to relocate us to Brisbane. And I'm like, no, they weren't. They were never going to do that. That was never <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> they have learned their lesson 
from the North Sydney Bears. We are 10 times the North Sydney Bears in terms of a supporter base. They will never not have a team in Newcastle. There has to be one here. You clowns that fucked it up, maybe you all need to leave, right? Maybe you all need to go. And I saw it for the first, like, 20, 25, 30 years of the club's existence where it was like, well, we don't make any money, so they're going to move us to Brisbane. And it was like, no, no, you don't make any money. And I don't know how you don't because you pack the joint out. Mm. You're like, oh, we don't have a leagues club. It's like, then buy one. And people will turn up to it. And they'll spend their money and they'll blow their load in their pokey, in, on your pokies. Like, you will make lots of money if you know how to make money, but you guys are really bad at that. You're a bunch of footy head dudes that don't know how to sort it out. The league isn't going to relocate the Knights. They need a team in Newcastle. We're really, really important. I promise you this. <laughs> I can't even remember where I was going with this. Um, Newcastle matters to, to the NRL. Like, no, but there's I th- there's I think, no question of it. But I think, uh, to go back to, I think what your original point terms in terms of, uh, you know, we're not like the Roosters in terms of where they're like, no, we have to be successful to eke every single attendee that we can in the crowd. You know, uh, how yeah. often do we hear... And, Whereas with the Knights, I think the Knights and their f- and the fans, certainly crowd numbers, have a bigger impact. Because how often do you hear the Knights sort of say, oh, bad weather this year really impacted our bottom line because we just didn't get the crowds that we thought we were going to get? And I was sort of, um, I was pleased to a certain extent uh, last round when we only had 13,000 show up to the Roosters game. I was like, good. That is a prime time Friday night. That is a marquee time slot you know the 6 p.m slot everyone complains oh it's too close to after work which and can i just say i get knights fans as passionate as we are we do like it we do like an excuse to get out of going like it's sort of oh it's too close to being after work and i'm like okay that's, uh, the, the government won't let me leave my house yeah so, but anyway i, look Bullshit. At, I don't i, I just do get there frost the only <laughs> I will say this, though. I do understand that there are a lot of our fans who do travel from far and wide. Those fans, I do understand. I think I'm directing this more at the ones who are like, oh, it means you, it means you have to leave King Street, you know, five or ten, ten minutes earlier, does it? Um, but you keep bringing up me. <laughs> <laughs> leave me and my residence on King Street out of this. <laughs> but, um, you know... Friday night, 8 p.m., 13,000. That was the prime time slightly. And I was like, and I actually thought to myself, good. I, I hope we stop turning up. We are allowed to send a message. And it's not it's not this message in but, terms yeah, of... Yeah, but in response, another 40 points put on us and 20,000 turned up today, you know? There's... Yeah, and that's the thing, yeah. And, and it's sort of... So, Knights fans, if you're listening, you know... Sometimes it is a case of careful what you wish for, but we do have a say. We do have an opportunity to have a say in this club. You know, we're not just we're not just cash cows that the club can sort of take the membership fees off and the and the uh, merchandise fees and the and the food and beverage fees on game day. We we do have a lot more um, a power than that. So uh, it's just it's just it's just it's a disheartening time. It's a very disheartening time to be a Knights fan. And I'm sort of like let's let's look let's look ahead. Uh, as it were, and yes. sort of, I mean, so it was round 20 this week. So we've got five rounds left. I've got, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I don't see I don't see where we win another game this season. So uh, got, yeah. We're away to the Tigers at Campbelltown next week. Pfft, forget that. Uh, away to the Broncos. No, no, it's all right. The Tigers are really bad. It's not like they've beaten anyone decent in the last 24 hours. <laughs> 
Hey, can I ask you? Can I ask you something? As a rugby league fan, last night's result was great. Like you don't have to. Surely, I I can't think of anyone outside of Brisbane who wouldn't have enjoyed that result last night for the Tigers to get up. Just off the back of what happened to the cat, and to use it, you know, we're a Knights theme podcast, so I can at least you. If the Knights had happened to them in Townsville, what happened last weekend, we lose by 40 last week. I mean, we'd lose by 40 anyway, but we'd lose by 40 last night to the Broncos because we'd pack in on the excuse, like, I oh, was still down about what happened to Townsville, uh, sorry, to um, North Queensland. So the fact that the Tigers got up last night the way they did, surely I, I can't think of any fan base in um, uh, rugby league that wouldn't have been behind the Tigers other than Brisbane. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't, but I'm doing the thing now where it's like your enemy's enemy is your friend. And I've got two enemies left, the Tigers and the Titans, just in terms <laughs> of uh, who's going to end up with the spoon. And I don't know. It's a bit like the whole, uh, you know, no one turning up to the game. I wonder whether it's one of those. And this is so, so depressing to say, mm-hmm. but it's like, do we need a spoon to be like that? That's how bad it is, guys. No, um, no. And I'll tell is, you why we second don't. last bad enough? No. And I'll tell you why we don't need another spoon. It's because if three in a, if we were, I was having this chat with someone, if three in a, spoons in a row ain't going to tell you that message, another one ain't going to make any more. Di- We've got enough spoons. I'm I'm very tired of the Newcastle. I I may have no pride left. I may even have no self respect. But I still want to cling to what's left of my dignity. And I don't need another spoon in that um, trophy cabinet uh, down at Broadmeadow. No, I'd, I'd rather not have it too. And as I said, that's why I've got the uh, the the enemy's enemy as my friend. And no, look, it's why I do. Enough. I look to, to ours and I'm like, look, I want the West Tigers to lose and I want the Titans to lose. It's nothing personal. And actually, I feel terrible saying that about the West Tigers who don't need any more crap put on them. And particularly mm. given this is on Sports Best Friend Network. And can I? All right. Listen, unrelated, semi-related, who knows? Go for it. Is it is it humanly possible to listen to an episode of NRL Adoro and not develop a man crush on the biggest tiger? Uh, that the answer to that is in the negative. It is absolutely in the negative, not, right? It is not possible. It is absolutely <laughs> not possible to uh, uh, form a crush. Uh, Big T has one of the smoothest, sexiest voices, and let's be honest here: not just in rugby league but in world sport, nay, the world. I remember when the first time I listened to it and I almost forgot that I was heterosexual. It was uh, it was a life-changing moment for me. So um, Big T, I know Big T does listen to our pods. Reed, he doesn't. But uh, if you are listening, Big T, keep those smooth, silky tones. We did try to get him on the pod, actually, uh, and he was, too busy. he was too busy being sexy on his own uh on his own pod, he didn't want to. I, I think he, he didn't want to be brought down to our level. <laughs> he is the Richard Mercer of rugby league podcasting, the love god. It's one hundred percent. Very but yes. Uh, I sorry, please go. Very quickly, uh, Joe. So look, look, we're not beating uh, the Tigers out at Campbelltown next week. We're not beating the Broncos away. I mean, the Raiders at home, maybe only because. Um, they're a bit of a basket case themselves when it comes to putting two consecutive halves together. But I see the way they performed against the Titans this weekend. I don't know why they can't do that against us. 
Titans up in the Gold Coast. We always get flogged up there. And last game of the season uh, at home to the Sharks. Well, we're not going to give a fuck, and the Sharks will probably be playing for top four. So I don't see where we win again this year. Um, that's uh, that is a rough assessment, and it's difficult to argue with. Um, and the problem with that, well, the problem with that is that so the Tigers beat us next week. Better points differential, so that bumps us down to um, bottom two. That's second last. Now the Titans will beat us. But they need one more win. They need one more win elsewhere to get off the wooden spoon. They're not beating the storm away. They oh, they might beat Manly at home, but I doubt it. They, well, I don't think they'll beat the Dragons away. They'll beat us. Um the Warriors, the Titans away to the Warriors in the last in the last round. That could decide. Yeah, it could decide. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I like I don't want to give up on. There's a reason that I think we could beat the Titans. Is that like the Kevin Proctor thing is symptomatic of a much larger issue that's going on up there. Yeah, that's true. Um, I agree with that. And you wonder what's happening there. And I, I like I've watched the Knights the last few weeks, and it's like, oh, this has got some serious um, Broncos twenty twenty um, vibes about it. And it's because to go through the team, as I was saying earlier, you go through the team, and it's like, uh, how can we have so many good players playing so poorly? And the Titans don't necessarily have the same level of talent, but what I mean, Tino aside, I don't want to say Tino aside. Some of them are putting in, but they seem to have a similar issue, albeit with less talent, is that they they look to have given up too. I don't know if they've given up on the coach or if it's just they've given up on footy in general, but when Mm. you've got your former captain of your club doing what Kevin Proctor did, and there are people who are like, like, he had to have known what he, like he had to have known he was going to get fired. And, and I'm like, I don't know if he's that smart. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't reckon that, I don't reckon Kevin Proctor's played 3D chess. I, <laughs> I, I just don't see it happening. But hey, what, maybe he picked a good week to do it, didn't he? He sort of, um, if ever there was a week where the I, I think the Titans thought that uh, all their Christmases had come at once. Because if you ever wanted a week to get rid of a player as quietly as you possibly could have, you did it between uh, the Tigers. Um, uh, end of game fiasco and the pride jersey at Manly. That w- that was the time. Ideally, to do it. because do you know? It was do you know that someone got suspended for five weeks for eye gouging this week? Because that's how that's how big this week of rugby league has been. Is that that was not a story, <laughs> like at all? <laughs> it's yeah. That the the five weeks. Dale Finucane, who even remembers? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Who cares? Um, yeah, it was, it was funny. It was like, I was, um, it, it, it was like two minutes after Graham Annesley's, um, like a uh, weekly briefing, which was brought forward an hour, um, and, uh, exclusively dealt with the North Queensland Cowboys versus Tigers game, right? Yeah. Well, with the one incident, that was all his weekly briefing was about. Fair enough. And like it finished, and two minutes later, bing, I get this email in my inbox like Kevin Proctor has um, 
been moved on from the uh, <laughs> like the 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 email actually whispered uh yeah. it was like <laughs> impressive how well they were just like let's see if anyone even notices and they like they wouldn't have accepted it was like oh but there's like videos of it and mm. it's oh this story would have just gone away so quickly if he hadn't have been so public with what he did which mm. which okay so this is my attempt to sort of be optimistic uh, to look forward to the to the future. I was actually Who thinking myself. Of... I was thinking we can't we can't finish on this note. We need to. So yes. give me something positive to, to to for us to sign off on, mate. Is there a reverse Kevin Proctor for the Newcastle Knights? Is there someone who we bring in who has you know the famed Sunny Bill effect? Who that the all right? So the Broncos are saying now that they've got it from Kirk Capewell, that Adam Reynolds is, you know, is the brains, but that mm. Kirk Capewell is the guy that if you're not putting in training, he's the guy that is like, is has set standards and made, and make sure everyone is sticking to them. And I wonder whether we've already got that guy um, or if we need to bring ourselves in someone who it's like, he doesn't need to be the star of the team. We don't have to have, you know, uh, uh, an absolute superstar halfback who's going to come in and, and change everything. We just need the guy who, when other guys aren't putting in, he gives them the absolute dirtiest look. And I, I don't know, like, shouldn't it be Clemmer or possibly Frizzell? There should be guys that are already doing it, but apparently they're not, or they're not to the extent that it is working. Do we need to sign someone who comes in and just says, this is not a standard that's acceptable? See, I go in a different direction on that. I don't think we need to bring in one player or a couple of players to drive. See, I wanted you to bring in something positive. Unfortunately, I'm going to turn it into a negative. (laughs) I'm of the opinion now there's too much generational... Um, I'm of the opinion now that there's too much ingrained culture of player power that's easy to give up and knows how to get rid of coaches. And I'm actually at that stage now where, you know, because we tried to bring in Rory Cost Jason and Slade Griffin and, and Tim Glasby and players like that to change the culture. I think the problem with what happens at the Knights is so bad no one silver bullet or no one or two players can fix it anymore. I think you need to st- I think we need to accept that you need to start again, clear out as many players as you can, and you just bring in players and you say, are you willing to give everything you've got every week and then spend every week trying to get better? If you say yes, we'll sign you. And you, you just start so, again. You know, and it, then it comes back to the front office again. And, you know, the big signing that the Knights have now made is, I love that we got Peter Parr, right? Peter Parr, who's going to be director of football to work hand in hand with Danny Badiris, who's the general manager of football. Yeah. I I know where this is going. Clearly very, very different roles based if on nothing else than the title of it. It's like, wait, yeah. 
who's this guy and why do we need him if we already got Danny Medeiros who's okay, the general so, manager of football? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I – look, I won't lie to you. My initial – because when I saw the Peter Pan news, I thought Danny had been sacked. I thought he, he must yeah. be pretty – like, because what's the difference between manager of football operations and director of football other than the title? My hope for – because, look, I think no matter what you think at the moment – what. Forget what I'm reading about with what I'm reading into the actions of the players. You cannot tell me that there isn't a disconnect between what's happening in footy and what's happening in front office. Because again, I go back to my I go back to my smaller example of a social amateur club. It feeds down from the top. As much as there's three areas, it's still a it's still sort of a triangle. And your admin is at the for better or worse is at the top. And what happens at the top? There feeds down. So. My read on it is that the Peter Parr um, signing is there to fill two two roles, essentially. One is to reconnect the front office with the football department and sort of act as that liaison between the two to get everybody running in the right in the same direction. The second one, I hope, though, is that he's been brought in to sort of fill that gap that's been left by Garth Brennan because our development pathways, our junior pathways, is just it's shot at the moment. And I know that he does have a, he had a lot of experience with that, with junior identification for the NSWRL. So I'm, I remain hopeful that the Knights are still looking to be successful because of a lot of the moves that the front office have made. I mean, you look at what they've done with the women's team, um, and, and and you know hopefully that'll be the women can show the men how it's done. Um, but I, I I take hope from the Peter Parr appointment that it says to me. They still want to. They still see avenues for success in the men's team. They haven't given up on the men yet, and if he can reconnect the the the, the internal parties within the club to be going in the same direction while fixing up that junior development, that's something positive. That I think that Knights fans can actually take from that appointment. Look, I hope you're right, and I do hope that they've. Um like you say, there, there, there clearly is a disconnect um, and that this is the guy that actually comes in and works it out. I, I remain, my eternal optimism um, is shaped around uh, the, the history that we've seen play out at Penrith um, that, you know, that between Gus Gould getting there um, and taking a club that was in financial dire straits and turning them into the house that house that they are today that was the better part of a decade, right? Mm. West's coming on board was the rebirth that needed to happen. The yep. NRL owning the team was like a, a bad stopgap that also had to happen. Um, but West's coming on board was the thing that started to transform us. And that occurred, in, was it the start of 2017 or the 2018 season that West's finally stepped up and and basically... well, I thought they took over at the start of the 2019 season and the only reason I say that is because when they were brought on the board everyone was like what's happening with Nathan Brown they said don't worry we want to we want to extend Nathan Brown we know this is his last year we're going to extend him and then they put him on a rolling contract and he was sacked weeks after so I, I always thought it was 2019 that was their first year in charge but I, I could be wrong so I just checked it. It was the end of 2017 that it was finished. So that means that it started at the start of the 2018 season. Okay. Right? All right. So five seasons, it'll be five seasons now. Um, 
it's you know it's halfway to the decade point but you also have to start to go all right well you were working off of essentially coming at it from you were starting at less than zero we were in the negative um from almost every possible perspective at that period west's have clawed us back to a position of at least financial parity with the rest of of the game and now they're starting to make these signings that you know they talked it up big about all the various off-field signings that came in over the last off-season. They're the kind of things that take more than one off-season to bear fruit. Uh, you know, this whole idea, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, what, what good is Hayden Knowles, you know, with our guys are still getting injured. And it's like, yeah, but like the kind of injuries that he's looking to prevent, you got to have more strength and training than one off-season is going to provide. And also a lot of our injuries this year were not soft tissue. It was when like Hayden Knowles can't stop people from breaking an arm. That's just not what his thing is about. Well, see, I, I, at- I, take, I, I do actually take issue with that in terms of, I actually think Hayden Knowles can make a difference to that. And I think it comes back to a lot of technique things. And, Cause that's one of the things we did. We actually did talk about with the gyromomacea injury. You were like, well, one of the reasons he broke his arm the way he did, his tackling technique sucks. Um, I, look, I think with some guys that's going to be the case, but, for the most part, your strength and conditioning coach, like broken bones happen in footy. Um, and yeah. you have to, you look you at, know. you look at Daniel Sofiti's broken leg in the last trial, like exactly. Hayden Knowles can't stop, can't stop drop tackles. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of incidents where that is the case. Drop, it's it's the tackles, soft sorry. issue. Um, yeah, that I was, I was like, oh, that's uh, close to being, anyway, we, we won't use the S word. Um, one of those drop tackles. Um, the um, the, the I think I think there's you ha, you, you want to have that like immediate impact. Why didn't everything work immediately? You just said that mm. you know we got all these you know great new off field recruits and all these guys who are going to make things better. Why didn't it immediately happen? And it's like because these are the kinds of things that do take a little while to take effect. They don't they don't turn up in you know November one and by the you know the following. October, you you win a premiership. It takes time to build. Um, there are processes, and they also are hopefully filtering down throughout the club, so that the next group of guys that do come in have got that strength, that conditioning, are at that level of fitness and ability, and know how to recover, are getting their food right, are getting their sleep right, are doing everything perfect, and that it is a club wide thing rather than it just being a case of like, well, why didn't the first grade guys win? It's like because we've started a system that's going to take like three years to bear fruit. And it's not what Knights fans want to hear. And mm. it's not what I want to be saying, but at the same time, a lot of the things that we are implementing, they're not, they're not the simple quick fix. And like, and again, like we were saying earlier, it's like, if you think things are going to get better in the course of, you know, one season that after the eighth and seventh place finish that we had over the last two years, I was as optimistic as you were, but seeing what we're seeing now, it's like there's not a premiership next year. That's no. not happening. Oh, no. Um, we are so at we least, need to start to build. We are at least three years away from a premiership. And I say three years as optimistically as I can because I just look That's at the way the Broncos and the Cowboys have turned it around this year at the very least. Mate, I'm, I'm looking at out. So we, we've got eight players off contract at the end of this season. Yep. And we've only got 11 players who are signed for the 2024 season. 
I see that as a great positive for us at the moment. I see that as a great opportunity to fuck a lot of players off. I, I, I really do sort of see that. And um, a lot of the players that we do have for 2024, Jaden Braley, Matt Croker, Adam Elliott, um, Gagai. Leo. Okay. Uh, Hetherington, Kalen, Sophie. So there's, a, there's still a core of that good player, but those players who have shown that they can and will and want to perform. Um, but, yeah, certainly they're the players that are off at the end of this year. I mean, uh, Suaso Su, gone. Pasami Solo, thanks for your time. Braden Musgrove, gone. Jairam Amasaya, he's off to the Eels. Milford, yep, he's gone. Lee, off to the Dolphin. There, there is there is opportunity for renewal in this, this squad. And, uh, yeah, at least three years away from a premiership. I'm I'm not glad to see the back of Milford. I, I he's not the answer to any of our long term problems, and so him moving on to the Dolphins is a good thing for us long term. Was it? Hasn't it been fun? Oh, it's you been know, great. Uh, like, uh, Tony Milford turning up like, how's he put that shoulder charge on Paul Vaughan today? I was like, it's get great. him, Tony, have a crack. Yeah. It, it's so amazing that you should have said that because it, it's funny to me. Who was I talking to about it? But I was like, I was like, no, I was talking about another with another thing. But I was like, you know, when some, when you're watching something happen in re, like just normally, and you're like, oh, uh, in a, if 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 we live in a multi like an infinite infinite number of universes, there's a world where such and such a thing is happening. Anthony Milford at the Knights, where where one of those worlds that one of those other infinite planets is saying, it's like, oh, somewhere in the universe, Anthony Milford's playing for the Knights. That's our reality. We're that one that other people are imagining. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that's how weird it is to me. Like, especially when I was looking at the graphic of him on the Knights, uh, sorry, on the NRL, it was like, oh, it's Anthony Milford's 200th today. And I was like, he's fucking doing it for the Knights. He's, yeah, he's like, no, this guy's a Canberra and a Broncos player. He's not a Knights player. How the fuck is this happening? So uh, I think it's been hilarious this year. I'm disappointed that he's leaving, but I don't have any issue issue with, his, with him leaving, if that makes any sense. Anthony Milford is like when your girlfriend has broken your heart and you get just the best, best rebound. And and you both know that you, it's it's – not for a long time, but you have a good time. And then you it's definitely sort of go for a good separate time. ways and go, do you know what? We we had fun and, and there's absolutely zero malice here. I think we both knew what this was and we both had a lot of fun. And yeah. you know, you've 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 if nothing else, you've helped me to uh to say goodbye to my past and to move on. <laughs> and I feel like I'm gonna have that sort of I'll have a level of affection for Anthony Milford that I hope never diminishes because now I'm just like, good on you, Milf, like turned up. You've been a lot of fun and you've done Anthony Milford stuff that I've watched on and have been in equal parts in awe and in horror. And you're like, do you know what? For a boring team to watch, at least Anthony Milford isn't boring. Oh, he's definitely, he's definitely edgy. He's definitely that uh, that joker (laughs) in the pack. Joe, I, um, we've been chatting for a while. Uh, and yeah. um, I did. I I know that you're. Uh, I hope I'm not giving too much away. If you don't like this, I can edit it out. But I know that you're a new uh, recent father, so I, I should probably let you get back to um, being um, being a dad. Um, before we do have an opportunity, I, I would say, oh uh, yeah, you know, I need to go and be a dad to Beep Frost because I was like, oh what people are gonna know her name, and my wife's like, 
They'll stalk her and they'll steal her from <laughs> us. People must never know. So, I do. Yes, um, I do want to finish um, though on a on a positive note. And um, we did mention the roar before. For anybody who does uh, like really good, and I mean really good sports writing, like uh, not just writing where you sort of like, well, this is my opinion on something, and I um, uh, we might even share the link on some of our um, social media posts. Joe wrote a piece um, ooh, within the last twelve months, uh, and it's a deeply it's a deeply personal piece that sort of um, uh, it, it talks a lot about. Passing of a of, of, of your son and uh, and how that was connected uh, to your friend that um, that you had to deal with and the, and one of the reasons that I mention it that is that um, you know we spend a lot of time talking about sport and we you know, I, I I devote probably time to the extent that it, it impacts on my actual relationship. Um, because it is something that I sort of care about, and it's something that we, you know, we do take personally, and we do emotionally invest in. And the, but it, you, the piece that you wrote, um, it sort of transcended sport. It was uh, it was a deeply emotional um, one that uh, I highly recommend everybody uh, takes the opportunity to read. And um, I think for me, Joe, it was uh, that it, it, that. That is one of the things that I actually love talking about sport with you is that when I do, it, it comes from such a, a measured, um, intelligent, but also you you acknowledge that emotional link that we do have uh, in sport. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's probably one of the other reasons why uh, it's been uh, a very big joy and a little bit of a privilege to um, get the chance to talk with you and record that conversation and uh, share it with uh, some of our listeners. Uh, yeah, thanks, mate. That's really lovely of you to mention it. And um, it's, uh, it's a piece that I'll, uh, I, I associate that time with you as well. We started to become um, good friends around about the time that some of that stuff was happening. And uh, I always count you as a very good friend. You, uh, you, uh, you, you celebrated the birth of my daughter, but you also mourned the passing of my son. And um, it always meant a lot to me, the, uh, the, the friendship that you showed to me during that time. So, um, you know, um, nice to, Nice to know that you 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 like the writing, if nothing else. I don't know. We, well, I, I promise you, the, uh, the the Joe Frost opinion piece on on the roar is uh, is always a uh, a hot topic of uh, conversation, mate. I um I think we've uh, we've done we've done a vast array of uh, of topics today. We've really covered some content. So, um, uh, mate, we have whinged about it all. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We're going to do it all again next weekend. Joe, thank you very much for being a, um, a guest host, as it were, on um, on the um, the Bay 53 podcast. I've been a bit slack of late. We are still sponsored by A Plus Contracting and Poly Welding. We are very happy that they do give us the opportunity to um, chat about all things Newcastle Knights, the good and the bad. And uh, Joe, any uh, any last uh, thoughts before we sign off? Um, you know, I'm I'm an optimist. Um, it's to my eternal, um, I don't know. I, I always end up disappointed, but 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 I never learn from it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to next week. Um, I think that we're going to have a surprising win over the Tigers, and I believe next year we next next year, Carlo. That's our year. <laughs> um, 
a really good feeling about 2023. I'm just, <laughs> there's something in my belly that's just saying to me, Joe, no, I, in those other 22 years, there was something wrong with this. This is the year. This is the year that it's all going to come together. So I'm keen. I, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I will say this. If we do wind up with the spoon, I can't even say that. You like to think that the only way next year is up. That's it for uh, that's it for one week, everybody. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. And uh, yeah, we'll see you online and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.